Hi, my name is Antonia Dominguez. And I'm Linda Coogan. And you're listening to Wine, the long and the short of it. In proud partnership with Give Wine a Future. How well do you know your wines? From the simple to the complex, from acidity to Symphondel. Welcome to Wine, the long and the short of it. My name is Antonia Dominguez, the long. And my name is Linda Coogan, the short. Between us, we have over 30 years collective experience in wine buying, wine retail and wine education. Every week we discuss a topic, product or trend from the world of wine. So in this episode, we're going to talk all about innovation in the wine industry. Right, Linda? Absolutely. Yeah, because there's so much to talk about. This is a really fascinating topic. Yeah. Um, Definitely going to learn a few things in this episode. Well, the whole thing is that the wine industry is typically very traditional, very, you know, rooted in history, families, generations of families who Mm -hmm. own wineries, who um, are reluctant to change, maybe. When you compare the wine industry to other beverage sectors, such as spirits, such as beers, we're really, I mean... It's a bit backwards, isn't it, for, to some degree? For many, many of yeah. the, the, the family run. We're slow to innovate. We're mm-hmm. slow to, I mean, look at all the things they do with, you know, when you think about spirits in particular, branding, packaging, the different formats and beers, to be fair. So like wine, I think over the over the decades has been has been slow to innovate, but there are a lot of exciting things happening at the minute. So I think it's um, it's a really good and relevant topic. And in our short lifetime, a lot has happened as well. Yeah. <laughs> our short. <Like> short or long. <laughs> <laughs> OK, so let's start off in the vineyard, mm-hmm. um, which is probably the least exciting <laughs> place for a lot of you listeners. You can do this boring part. Okay, oh, no, look, it's not boring. It's actually really, really interesting. It is. But I let you do the research I will, on I this will. one. So. Well, look, um, I'll skim over some of this. Drones, use of drones, really um, a recent development. So what they're doing is they're using drones literally to scan the vineyards and to, to look out for sort of things like vine health, the conditions of the soil and things like that to help them sort of optimize their viticultural management and and figure out strategies that will best enhance and you know support the vines because you know when you think about uh yeah before they would literally if it came to things like fertilizing it'd be like everything would be sprayed even you know there'd be places that didn't necessarily exactly. need it exactly okay, so. so now it's about well, we we really want to see reduced use of herbicides, fungicides and all of that. So, you know, things like drones help to do that. Um, Precision viticulture is another development. I suppose that's more about data analytics and again, soil mapping. Um, There are some real leaders in this area. So I don't know if you've heard of Pedro Parra in Chile. Pedro Parra, his wines are amazing. You know them, they're the I'm saying you know them. You might not know them, but he <laughs> he he makes a lot of wine in sort of the marginal areas of Chile, like uh, Itata Valley and Bio Bio, and they're kind of more cool climate. But he is a leader in sort of precision viticulture, which is just like you know doing all the analysis in terms of you know your different vineyard sites, your soil mapping, and again, um, using drones and all of that to to map out. Your vineyards and and to to but what's the point of this now? Explain to the point is to be able to um, 
maintain your vines in the healthiest possible way because a, a healthy vine and a balanced vine will will result better fruit in better system. fruit okay. and a balanced wine and that's what it all comes down to. So um yeah so it's it's very vine health is extremely important. I mean you're not not just in terms of the yields because you know when you have diseased vines and there's all numbers of like pests and diseases that that a vine can suffer. Um, you know, you're you're losing yield, but you're also you know you're affecting the quality of the fruit. So precision viticulture has really come on, and then you have things like weather satellites. So like literally, and I've I've seen different companies in recent years developing all sorts of technology where they literally have weather stations and weather satellites and and you know different apparatus on 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 the on the vineyards that will feed back data to to the winery or to the viticulture, uh, the viticulturist, I should say, to to help them project what is the likely incidence of disease for this growing season and how can I best treat the vines accordingly. So, um, yeah. Now, this is for the big players now, this kind Not of technology. Really? really? Yeah. Now, I, I, there is a company that I came across called Atfield and just happened to have um, a director who from Ireland who who approached me about and they were they were based in Serbia and they were um, they were developing this technology for sale to kind of small scale boutique wineries because when you think about it those are the wineries that don't have the budget for sort of this mass um, application of you know well whatever treatments, you you know, that you use and machinery to spray and all that kind of thing. So, so they would have yeah. had to do it in hand. So it's saving their actual yeah, manual labor, exactly. labor time. Okay. So that's mm. that's in the vineyard. And then I, w- I would also add... So that add, was the boring part out of the way. That's the boring part. <laughs> so I would also add about grape varieties in terms of, I mean, I suppose it's not innovative in, in, in the sense that it's not a technological development and it's not necessarily new. But we're, we are seeing... Um, growers um, and wineries sort of changing the grape varieties that they're planting. And a lot of that is to do with climate change because, you know, there's a lot of regions now that just cannot sustain growing the grape varieties that they traditionally grew and they need to kind of revert to more drought hardy varieties. So we've seen it in Australia where they're kind of growing a lot of Italian and Spanish grape varieties. And we've talked before in our Women in Wine, was it Women in Wine episode? Where we talked about like some of the the warrior women in wine. What and they were doing, yeah. One of them was Rosa Kruger from mm-hmm. South Africa. And she's sort of spearheaded this as well. She started training a lot of um, uh, winemakers about, you know, what are the great old vines and the great sort of drought hardy grape varieties to use. So we're seeing a lot of planting of different grape varieties at vineyard level, which in itself is a little bit of an innovation insofar as changing your tactics, you know? Yeah, like innovation, people think something has to be big and drastic. It doesn't. It's just a simple change or something tweaked it's not reinventing the wheel it's just making small changes to make things better and uh, exactly yeah. yeah so that's vineyard right box ticked <laughs> in the winery again well no this is quite interesting because you know say 6,000 years BC uh, or whenever uh, wine started to be produced that we know of in the likes of Georgia they used to ferment them in clay pots and amphoras and what they call kevries in, and they still call Can them kevries. Spell that for me, please. Oh, I can't. Just go on. I, Do you know? Q V E V R I 
Is it Cavri? I'm pretty Cavri. sure. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That that word is new on me, Antonia, I have to say. Ah, oh, come on. It is. Right. I don't amphora and that, yes. But yeah, I'd like It's to an eat. amphora basically. Yeah. So Clay the, pot. The uh like uh, a few recent uh winery visits. Um yeah. Seen a few amphora being kind of brought back as such, moving away from the stainless steel and going back to exactly. tradition. So, that, that, so it is a mixture of innovation and tradition. And Yeah, yeah. well, the, the, the Cavries now, they're using them a lot in Georgia to make the or- orange wines, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, which is another topic. Um, but as you just said, it's kind of all about things coming full circle because we started making wine in Cavries and concrete and clay. And then we had sort of the the biggest development then in the modern age in terms of winemaking was to stainless steel. So it's all about, you know, improving the hygiene yeah. of your winemaking and introducing temperature control because temperature control is so important when it comes to um, certain certain wine styles that we make. And, and so temperature controlled stainless steel. And that was really New Zealand that put that sort of front and centre and everybody followed suit. They were brilliant at it. But now, and you and I were in um, Rueda last October, which we've talked about, but we've been in plenty of, and I've been in plenty of places where they're, where they're going back to concrete and they're going back to Cavries and Amphora. So um, was, it, was it Tres Pilares in Rueda that were making a wine in Amphora? And I'm sure, look, there's dozens of them. Or concrete, because they say now, they, they, they'll say to you, well, concrete is better for overall thermal regulation. You don't want real extreme temperatures. You don't want to, unless you're making a really cool, fresh, fruity, aromatic white, you don't want like really cool temperatures. You want somewhere a nice balanced, you know, a, approach to your temperature control. And they think that concrete can do that. So that's kind of what's happening in the winery, as, as we said, coming full circle. Packaging. Now, this is kind of where you come into my it. baby. Yeah, my baby. Um, yeah. So packaging, um, we've spoken briefly about this as well before. Um, there's huge things going on with, you know, bag and box. People are still very reluctant to go there thinking it's all cheap and cheerful. Um, but there is, you know, great innovations going on here for um, lots of different companies really investing in quality and premium um, bag and box. I'm, I have loads of uh, notes. Well, remember we were in again, Rue, then you had this lovely bag mm. and box that looks like a purse or something. Looks like an amazing looks like purse. A bag. I know, it was like a two litre that like was so funky and it had a gorgeous little handle that you could yeah. just carry around with it. Like, yeah. um, And you did a whole piece as well on the radio about um, like the cans, aluminium mm. cans. And, and, we, and you did a whole bit of research around that. Like, are they any good? And we talked about this again. So again, it's so, mm. um, you know, obviously the impact of a glass bottle, the carbon footprint and emissions and all of that with a bottle of wine is quite large. About 40% of, of the carbon footprint is from the packaging. So you want to then try to eliminate that and innovative ways of doing that is basically change the packaging to something lighter to a can or the bag and box. So they're the three different main things that people alternative are, packaging. Yeah, yeah. That people are exploring. So the cans, um, I mean, you're not gonna get a premium quality fine wine to age in a can, let's be honest. Mm-hmm. It's more for festivals, picnics, convenience, that kind of thing. But you know, that you can get them for like three fifty a can in Ireland anyway. Yeah. Um and you can pay up to maybe eight euro a can, which might sound excessive, but you are getting a better quality 
um, wine and that. So I think it is a style to be embraced and not just, I mean, I know in the UK, Waitrose and all that have loads of different cans. They've got, you know, so many of their own branded ones, Sauvignons. And Didn't they do away with all their small format yeah, glass they, bottles yes, in favour of the cans? Exactly. Like that's, yeah. that's, that's, that's a big leap, I suppose, yeah. for a, a supermarket chain to, to do something that dramatic. And I, I don't know how it's going for them. Um, I'm sure we'll see reports in the next while with their sales and that, because I think people need to be open to these kind of changes that are happening. Um, I think it's think the about way the screw forward. Cap, though. Yeah. Like screw cap, people were like, oh my God, no. Well, you just, just, just to Sorry, go back I'll to go the back. format. Yeah, just to go back to the packaging, because I don't, when I say it's the way forward, it's the way forward for a certain style of wine and, and people are going towards fresh and fruity. Mm-hmm. And a, an aluminium can 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 hold a fresh and fruity wine, no problem yeah. at all. And and look, with shelf life, they're kind of saying six months, six to nine months in a lot of the, these formats. Which, to be honest with you, if it's a six fresh, minutes. yeah, if it's a fresh <laughs> and fruity style, you don't want to be. You're not going to be. You're not going even it. if it's in a bottle. You don't really want yeah. to be opening it after six or nine. But months. But it's nice for people as well, though, like a can of wine that you're not buying a bottle as well to drink less as well would be the other thing. Yeah. You know, and I know this this is not to do with innovation, but tangent Linda here, you know, it's people drinking less from different formats as well. So, you know, it's it's a different way. Yeah, no, absolutely. And not just that, but there's the whole sustainability piece as well. Mm -hmm. And obviously that's hugely important as to why people should steer away from glass bottle. And I'm still a little bit... I'm a little bit like upset when I still see these really super heavy bottles. Like there's no reason. I mean, if you're going to stay with glass format, which is absolutely going to be the case because a lot of people are going to continue to Mm -hmm. use glass, at least make it a lighter weight bottle. And and a lot of wineries have made a concerted effort to do that. Um, But I have to mention this because this is like talk about innovation. It's the first time I've seen it and it happens to be it's the first time I've seen it anywhere mm-hmm. in any country. And I I have to like mention it's it's in the workplace. It's um it's a red wine that is packaged in a flax linen bottle. And you're going to see it in stores now because it's just landed in O'Brien's. It's um it's called Petit Cernin. It's a Cabernet Merlot blend from southwest of um, France, sort of just near to Bordeaux. And it's in a flax bottle. And wait till you see this on the shelf. Um, when you pick it up, it's such a shocker because you kind of go, this can't, this is, this is not real. real. <laughs> I actually picked it up in work and I haven't seen it in the stores yet because I've only seen it in the, in, you know, an office environment. And I picked it up and I kept going, no, I kept looking at it going, no, this is a, fa- a fake wine. And it's just mind blowing to me. But I also think that there's great possibilities with it. And the fact that the wine, like it's not, a, it's not. Cheap, cheap, just because it's in linen. It, it's, you know, what shape anything is it but though? because the what? wine quality inside is so good. It's shaped like a, a normal bottle, like okay. a glass bottle. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, look out. I mean, there'll be more, I'm sure of it, who are going to um, be buying into this. But um, we are the first customer for it, apparently. Excellent. Yeah, That's in any really export exciting. market. Yeah. Cool. Um, two other things that I came across um like during, these are in the UK now, okay? So um, online wine tasting club, I don't know if you've heard of them. No. So they don't ship to Ireland, first of all, because that's kind of defeating the point of this, (laughs) trying to reduce uh, carbon footprint and all that. But they, um, it was actually a guy, they set up a a tiny um, winery that wanted to, um, 
you know, get people involved in wine tasting. So they have um, new forms of low carbon, space saving, lightweight packaging suitable for small samples of wine. Um, and that's become really popular with the online virtual tastings that were going on during a particular period in time, mm-hmm. a couple of years ago. Yeah. I'm mentioning it. Oh, um, but this guy was actually an engineer. So he custom built a production line to make this and um, they had to figure out how to avoid oxidation and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, so it basically is um, a pouch that is under inert gas and to protect it from oxidation. Mm. But they're they're really small and it saves, um, it weighs less than 25% and um, half the space and they send them out in these recyclable cardboard packages that go posted into your door and everything. So it's really cool. Absolutely. And then the BIB Wine Company, have you heard of them? Bag and Box Wine Company. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but these guys, yeah, no, I know. But that's uh, the, again, pouch is much, much lighter than uh, than glass. Are they here or do they? No, again, the UK. Okay. But it's, again, just very specialised and, you know, obviously the UK would be a bigger market in Ireland and mm-hmm. they would have lots of customers that they can just send out these much smaller um, uh, packaging bag yeah. and boxes to. So it's cool. good. And recycled plastic and all the rest as well that you'd normally do with normal plastic. So yeah, yeah, it's good. Yeah. Good. And, and what about closures? I suppose like, I, you know, nothing too new recently but in terms of you know when we look at closures but still Antonia how long are like I hope you know uh, how long are screw caps out so the first screw uh, the first time screw caps sort of made an appearance commercially speaking as 1970s I believe 76 okay Yolumba in Australia right got together with a bunch of other wineries like Penfolds and Hardy's and Brown Brothers um, and Tablick and uh, they decided to embrace the screw cap, see how it would go. And um, to be fair, huge success, I think, especially for younger styles of wine that New Zealand was known for, fresher and fruitier, mm-hmm. um, where the objective was to prevent any contact uh, between the wine and oxygen. So mm-hmm. obviously a cork is porous and allows for a gentle ingress of oxygen, um, but a screw cap is not. And um, to the point where it was a little bit controversial because the complete absence of oxygen can cause what's called reduction in a wine, which leads to that lovely smell of rotten eggs lovely. in a wine, which, um, yeah, so you'll know next time if you smell rotten eggs in your wine, it's because <laughs> the wine has been, yeah, in the bottle in complete absence of oxygen um, because it needs a bit of oxygen. Um, and um, Am I right? Do you put a penny, a piece of copper in copper, to reduce yeah, that? yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah. it's hydrogen sulfide basically is 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 the compound that, that 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 results if 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 you know if there's That's not enough present. oxygen yeah okay. present. So, I mean, there are people who are huge advocates like Chester Osborne, who is Darnberg. He he puts his most age worthy, richest, most like biggest, robust red wines in a bottle with a screw cap and he swears that it ages just as well as if it was under a natural cork. And I think the camp is out because one of the reasons I've been told is because there's not enough time has passed if you wanted to really test, you know, it's metal in terms of how an age-worthy wine would develop under screw cap. I suppose just a lot of people say not enough time has passed for them to be able to do that analysis 
you know properly to yeah, see exactly. Yeah, so. But some people are still like we're talking about. That's nineteen seventy six. That's uh, you know what forty something. Was yeah, he? but I think when in 1970s they were doing it, they were kind of bottling young wines, but it's only more recently that they started doing bottling age worthy wines, okay. you know. But cups. still some people that I meet on a daily basis will say, I don't drink screw cap wines, where some pubs will only want screw cap wines because it's quicker to open and serve. So, I mean, even though it's an innovative thing that happened back in 76, still people are still embracing it. So if it were taken that long to embrace screw caps commercially, it may take a while for people to be drinking the bag and box and pouches and all sorts of things, yeah. you know, which yeah. is fair enough because obviously glass bottle, like you're saying, has been around for so, so long. But also, um, Antonia, the fact that um, tradition, you know, traditionally some regions, especially in the old world, you know, do not allow within their laws and regulations to permit a wine to use to be packaged. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No. Um, Or different packaging. It has to be a certain shape bottle. It has to be certain format and all the rest. So, I mean, that will take a very long time for these more traditional wineries or regions to convert or yeah, be, you know, unless mm. new generations who are more sustainably minded will come on board and, and then make these yeah. kind of changes. Well, We're not saying anything is right or wrong. We're just basically talking about the fact that these are the. Yeah. Yeah. So like with closures, you have, because uh, we talked about cork and screw cap and the glass. Well, you know, synthetic lads. The, the, if you the, see a coloured cork, plastic looking cork coming out of your bottle, you know, you're. God, I don't. I don't want to. I don't want it's to. It's an no, inexpensive should, wine. Let's How just say that? it's inexpensive. Exactly, yeah. and yeah. Um, that cork is not offering that wine much protection, um, and it's not supposed to be kept for a couple it's of years. Definitely it's not. a fancy looking bottle, yeah. and it isn't. Yeah. It isn't. So they're called synthetic corks. But how does someone know if they? Well, you know, because they, they look plastic and they yeah, feel but if plastic. You can't see it because the foil is on. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. That's fair enough. Yeah. But this can be but, for inexpensive wines if it isn't a proper cork. Yeah. You've got the plasticky thing. So. Mm-hmm. Then the other one that you might have come across, and I, I know I've seen this with Lafage, the glass, the, the glass stopper. Mm-hmm. And Vinoluk is probably um, the most well known brand for glass stoppers. And there's some wineries that swear by them. They say they offer like the, the best balance between, um, you know, giving the, the wine the ability to age and bottle and giving it enough protection from oxygen uh, and also um, just, you know, yeah, looks great and yeah. it's recyclable. Yeah, yeah. So but they are very pre- they are for premium wines. Well, I wouldn't call Lafage super premium. Yeah, but, but like they the are expensive. Of maybe 20, 22 yeah. euro like, you yeah. know, but and again, they, it looks the part as well. Do yeah, you know what I mean? The like part. they're a bit tricky to take off sometimes. Though. I think they are. Yeah. I think they're a bit awkward myself. But you can keep you know them as head can keep the bottle as well. Do you know fill what? up with water. You can. Well, I know you like that drink. I yeah. Like that. Uh, yeah. Do you know what I find a total head melt and this has nothing to do with innovations? The wax. Oh my God. Wax. Was I with you seems. or who was I would open up a bottle? Have of I told wax? you this before? I don't think so. But I mean, and, and listen, I have friends who make wine in, in Spain or where else and use wax. Uh, you know, to I'm shaking my head in case. And, 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 I, like, and I'm not trying to offend them at all, but I just like, I it's don't pain, understand. Yeah. I don't understand that they look great, but apart from that, I think it's pain to try and open them. Yeah, I bits well, of wax going I, everywhere. I opened yeah. a bottle the other day yeah. and my head was wrecked, like absolutely yeah, no, wrecked, and no. there was bits head of it melter. everywhere. Yeah. You know, yeah. Winemakers take note. <laughs> yeah, seriously, don't upset us, okay? <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, 
I want to mention labels and, and, you know, innovation when it comes to just, you know, branding of wine. So I suppose that the, the biggest one recently or the most notable one is the augmented reality piece. It sounds which, high tech, doesn't it? And like sci-fi. So well, this must be a real, you know. Are you know more about this than I do. Well, look, you know, again, we briefly mentioned this before. I suppose the one that comes to mind is the 19 crimes that you download the app, you scan the label and next of all, they tell you their story of why they went to prison, what crime they committed and all that. What amazing marketing. What amazing, yeah. you know, to get people involved with a brand and connected with it and tell the story and show people. And for someone that didn't know that, oh, did you try this? Yeah, it, it does this. And, you know, does it sell more wine? Probably. Um, does it make the wine any better because it has this cool funky modern label don't know um but you know like oh it's 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 really interesting but i'm i'm fascinated antonio with not just wine labels with um the influencers within the wine world so 20 years ago you didn't have influencers on social media posting about wine brands and saying how amazing they were now we do what you're gonna have to help me pronounce this guy's name yeah um so an mba star yeah, um, Chinese guy, is he? No, so this fellow is an NBA star, but he did a live, um, he's a winemaker and he sold, you can guess now how many bottles he sold in 10 seconds of a live stream. 10 seconds of a live stream. Are you sure he's not Chinese? This fella isn't. His name is James something. Or other. Oh, right. Oh, sorry. Okay. Oh, okay. I can't find yeah, my yeah. I'm Hold confusing on. my right celebs. But what's um, the fella's name? Because you, I, I don't know you. the NBA star. I know I, I knew something about it, but I can't remember his name. Go for it. Because um, I think he released it and uh, something to do with him. Energy. Oh, no. He is Chinese, no? Yes, he's Chinese. He's the influencer. The wine influencer. Xiao. Yeah, Xiao Yang. Yang. So he is a very famous Chinese wine influencer, mm-hmm. but he managed to sell X amount of bottles well, of know. wine. How many? In 10 seconds from a live. I don't know. 100,000. Stop. Well, too in many. In 10 seconds. <laughs> yeah. How many <laughs> bottles do we see? <laughs> I don't know. It's China. You know, we're talking big numbers. Go on. Stop. Yeah. Okay, Any so now guess? it's like. <laughs> All right. Two. <laughs> Well, hold on. Come on, enlighten me. Ah, for God's sake. I know. Hold on. You see, I have so many notes but in you, front but, of but me. But you know what? You've really confused me because you were talking about some NBA guy. And now yeah, he's the fella who is the NBA guy. Hold on. But is that... See, I have too many notes. I've done so much research for oh, this right. episode, Antonio, mm-hmm. that I can't find myself here now. Okay. Where is he? Go on, talk about something else. I'll come back to you. No, well, do you know what? I was going to mention this and... I don't, it's it, it's not, it just came to my head, to be honest with you, but I don't know very much about it. The CBD products. Oh, yeah. Like, that's really, I mean, that's huge in the States and in the UK. And you're getting all these, these like, wines infused with CBD oil, whatever, CBD stuff. I don't know what the, the tech, you know, the official term is. And um, they're they're just really popular. And especially for those wines in a can that we were talking about before and you get these CBD wines on, you know, lots of store shelves. I saw them everywhere when I was in London and um, they're hugely popular. I haven't really seen them in Ireland. No, I haven't. I don't know if they will 
be as equally successful. I'm, I'm wondering which importer will dare to start yeah, bringing them no, in. I actually looked up a lot of that and I said, you know what, it's not for the Irish market yet, I would All imagine. Right. So it'd be very interesting to watch this space and see who may yeah. um, bring it in. I'd say it might be from like an importer that has... Um, roots in the UK that mm. might bring it to Ireland as a trial and see. Yeah, well, here's one, here's one stat, statistic around it. According to a report by Grandview Research, the US CBD market size was valued at 4.6 billion in 2018 and is expected to grow at a compound annual growth rate of 22% from 2019 to 2025. Like, that's massive. So, yeah, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what happens with that. Be interesting to trial it and see what's going on with that, wouldn't it? Yeah. Um, <laughs> Okay, so sorry, that this would make guy's for an name. interesting episode. <laughs> right. This guy's name, see, I have so many tabs open here. James Harden. I was stunned to discover he had sold out of 10,000 bottles of his wine in just 10 seconds. Sorry, sorry during what's a live to do stream. Okay, during a live stream with Chinese influencer oh, Chow Yang. They did it together. They did it together. Okay, so not 100,000 bottles. No, just 10,000. <laughs> but still, you know, yeah. that's pretty impressive. Uh, so fair play. Like, so, I mean, so where are we going with that? Influencers, is it? Influencers. Okay. How, you yeah. know, they have put brands on the map because obviously bigger brands are able to you know, mm-hmm. do collabs with different influencers that can say X, Y, Z about their wines and all that kind of stuff. Um, and even regions or, you know, like like that kind of thing. And they can just, you know, reach a market that they mm. wouldn't even believe. The you celebrity know? wine thing as well, which exactly. we talked about before. You know, so yeah. that's, but that's, you know, social media, any sort of influence. So anyone who either is in food and wine or specialist in that kind of thing. And then also the celebs. So social media as an innovative medium for yeah. building brand awareness for anything. Yeah. But in particular wine, it's huge. Yep. 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 Um, okay. Well, look, there's, we need to steer into now sort of the business world okay. of wine and what's going on there. And there's one very interesting development. And uh-huh. when I said to you, let's talk about this, you were like, you're what? What's that now? I'll fall asleep for a minute. Like, you oh, no, did this actually. You were this. like, oh, no, we're not talking about that. And I said, no, we have to. Um yeah, like this, this, this is, is fascinating. I think it's, it's fascinating. It's extremely interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure, you know, Do you who, think we're, what we're keeping the listeners yeah, in suspense, suspense enough? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So NFTs, and I'm sure a lot of people have heard this term, NFTs, non-fungible tokens. And what they are is, uh, I suppose, like it's difficult for me to explain this because I'm not really up on my tech stuff, right? But you know, all this blockchain stuff. So NFTs represent a unique digital asset that can be linked to like either a physical wine bottle or like a case or like a barrel of wine or related experience. And it's not just like confined to the wine world. It, it's very much um, it's a, thing, fine, a thing now in things, art, art. Yeah, yeah, yeah. in music and so on. Um, so like, look, just these, just reading off the page here, these digital tokens provide proof of authenticity, ownership and provenance of the associated physical wine or wine related item. And it, they use blockchain to, to create sort of an inexpungible record. I've never heard that term before, inexpungible, that cannot be traded. So it's really secure way of transacting mm-hmm. these physical wine items or experiences. And there have been some like massive names in the wine world that have bought into this, or I won't say bought into them, but created an NFT and and released them. So like a few examples, 
Chateau Lafitte, Rothschild, in March 21. Um, obviously, you know, very famous, Renette. Why, why are you looking so at me I like just, that? I'm just, so basically, whatever this is, NFT, it's something like a, a kind of like a non- QR code. Is it? No, it's it's like it's like you buying to all intents and purposes a share. Okay. In something. It's a digital asset. So it's not tangible. But you're buying you're you're getting ownership to uh either an asset or an experience or something like that. And it it, it cannot you can tra- you can trade it, but it can't be I mean you can sell it on or you can cash in on it. So I'll use the examples of my shed okay, light. Go on, okay. Yeah. So so look, Chateau Lafitte, what did they do? They um yeah, they they created these digital tokens, like digital vouchers, I suppose, that represented cases of wine from the prestigious seller, right? So I, I don't know exactly what they fetched. But one other very sort of famous example was Penfolds. And Penfolds have released three NFTs now very successfully. One of them sold like in 10 seconds for big, big money. So um, in November 21, they launched limited edition NFT that was tied to 300 bottles of their rare McGill seller um, barrel. It was a whole barrel of wine of this particular McGill seller wine and made from the 21 vintage. And it was available for purchase for $130,000. And it said the single barrel NFT would be converted into 300 bottles. Okay. So you yeah. buy a voucher and then you cash it in and you get your 300 You can bottles. cash it in or okay. you can sell it on to the next punter that will buy it. But it's not like you actually selling the 300 bottles or whatever. No. Well, okay. Well, so, no, uh, so it's I mean, protecting any fraudulent yeah, trade. transaction okay, for right. sure. Okay. And there's lots of wineries that are, are cashing in on this. Robert Mondavi, December 21, launched one as well. And listen to this. It was, um, he said, it says it, it was one of the largest wineries to join the NFT craze, right? And it consisted of a unique generative art piece that also attached to it a future experiences, a future experience in the winery. So like they often do this, they'll say, here's an NFT, right? They'll value it at some huge amount of money. They'll say this entitles you to a barrel or a few cases of wine. And in in addition, you become a sort of an exclusive member to the winery. You have exclusive access. You can come and have private tastings with us and so on and so forth. So these are NFTs and like it really links into this world that we live in now, which is all about, you know, Elon Musk and feckin', sorry, <laughs> Elon Musk and, you know, blockchain and all of that stuff that I don't understand. Interesting. Can, yeah. can I uh, read something for you? Yeah. Okay. Okay. So New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc. Bright and expressive, this Sauvignon Blanc boosts vibrant notes of passion fruit, gooseberry and freshly cut lime. The palate is crisp and zesty, re- revealing layers of citrus, hints of green apple and a touch of herb, fresh herb, cut herbs. An underpinning of minerality leads to a refreshing and lingering finish, truly capturing the essence of New Zealand's terroir. Guess what? Who wrote that? Sorry, I fell asleep halfway through that. <laughs> Guess who wrote that? Uh, like... What's the relevance here? And I might I'm be able to give it a stab. Um, Kevin you. Judd. Chat GPT. Ah. There you go. I know nothing about it. And I type in this into Chat GPT, and there you go. You get a taste that's of That's a scary one, oh, actually. Know, and I'm innovation. glad you brought that one up because, You're very welcome. <laughs> because <laughs> I told you that, um, did I hear, and I don't know if it's 
really accurate information, but I heard or I read somewhere that a master sommelier, a master sommelier exam, um, (gasps) chat GBT, they, somebody did this this kind of experiment and okay, they couldn't, it wasn't the, it wasn't the practical, but it was a theory. Well, that would be impressive. That'd be some innovation if they got a, you know, chat GBT to 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 be able to do practical, a blind taste. (laughs) No, but it is. And it's a little bit scary. But look, I don't know if we can be completely threatened by it because at the end of the day, if, if there's certain things that if you type into it, you go, you read it and it's like you this know, bullet rubbish. point, like but rubbish that was an regurgitated. Okay note, wasn't it? But that wasn't bad. Yeah, and then I did a Barossa Shiraz as well. All right, so, go on. Will I read it? Yeah. A deeply coloured and opulent wine, this Barossa Shiraz opens with intense aromas of blackberry, ripe plum and hints of eucalyptus. The palate is rich and full-bodied, showcasing flavours of dark chocolate, black cherry and a touch of silky black Spicy black pepper. Silky tannins provide structure while the warmth of toasted oak lingers in the background. This is a harmonious it's more and robust the delivery. Wine. I, that's disturbing. Exemplifying me. the power and elegance of Barossa. There you I go. Get to be fair. Yeah. Yeah. Never writing a note again. <laughs> <laughs> we know what you're up to now. There you are. That's my secret. Yeah. But again, that's, you know, I. Pff, 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 just that's all that I was, say to chat yeah. GBT. <laughs> But well, yes, um, a, yeah, interesting. makes me a bit nervous, all mm. this technology. You know, at the end of the day, I have to say I'm a bit of a traditionalist. I like a cork being, you know, natural cork in the bottle, you know, opened old school style um, with your waiter's friend and... Your friend, the waiter. <laughs> no, is that what they call it? <laughs> it is. <laughs> not the, not the uh, opener that not has the two the arms man the arms. the exercises. <laughs> um, yeah, so I know, but I, I embrace so these. smart some of these. tools. What about the smart tools, the bottle opener, that electric oh, bottle yeah. openers? No, but also That's speaking of... That's not in of, the winery or anything like that, but you know. No, yeah. And, and just going back to labels for a minute, smart labels, we never talked about that, but Mar de Frades is a really good example. <gasps> yeah. There are labels that are um, basically, they will, they will present something on the label to tell you what the temperature is. They'll like with the Mar de Frades, there's a little boat that shows up when it's chilled Optimal enough and when it's not, it'll disappear, letting you know, letting the drinker know that it's not cool enough for that style, etc. So there's great things happening and I embrace them all, but everything in its place. Like I still, you know, if I'm going to try a wine in an aluminium can, I'd rather be like a festival somewhere, yeah. not at home. Yeah, everything you has know, a by place. The fire or whatever. Exactly. You're not yeah. going to be knocking back a now really nice fancy wine from a can because you're not going to get it. It yeah. is designed for you know, exactly what we said, picnics and parties and, yeah. and that, but go for it. Yeah. Yeah. So lots, lots happening. On that note, Linda, we don't have any quiz, do we? No, no quiz now. I was going to quiz you. How, how, how many bottles <laughs> did your man? <laughs> 100,000. No. So accurate. <laughs> okay. No quiz today. We'll uh, quiz, our, quiz our listeners about the innovative things. Um, but have you got a wine recommendation, Antonio? Oh, yeah. So what? No, well, it's not a wine recommendation. What we said was that every week we were going to maybe highlight a food and wine pairing that we had this week that we liked, okay. that we appreciated. So it was kind of summer the other day and I did a a spinach, I sent you a picture, a kind of a spinach and parma ham tart type thing. Oh, that looked lovely. Yeah. Thanks yeah, it was, for the invite. <laughs> it was like Donald Crumb fresh and parmesan cheese. And it was a Jamie Oliver recipe, which I don't normally do Jamie Oliver, but this worked out incredibly well considering I'm not much of a pastry person. 
And I did it with a butter Can head. Thermomix pastry really quickly. Oh, no, 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 no. We're not going down the Thermomix route. Oh, no. I'm sorry we actually... You yeah. brought up the food part, so there you go. Go on. Is this what we're to expect every, every time? Like, okay. Well, you haven't mentioned the the J word. The J. <laughs> um, so I had that and was I had it with a lovely kind of butterhead lettuce salad and I did it with, you know... Um, like a, a lemon and a Dijon mustard and olive oil dressing. And I had it with a lovely glass of rosé. And I'm not going to say which rosé. Well, no, I will say which rosé. I had it with, you know, because you're going to throw your eyes up to heaven. But I had, <laughs> I had it with Lynn's rose rosé, Lynn Coyle's, which, and you, you've I tasted that, that before. I think it's fantastic. No, and I, it's made from Garnacha sorry, rather than being a Provence style. So it has like substance and it has a bit of... That's a cracking little one. Yeah, that? it's fab. So that was mine. What was yours? I had um, duck spring rolls. Or not spring rolls, uh, pancakes. Sorry. Oh, yeah, yeah, duck yeah. Duck pancakes. Oh, and yeah. I had a delicious peanut butter laugh last. Did we happen to be together when you had the duck rolls? Hmm? Did we happen to be together when no. you had the duck rolls? The duck pancakes? No. No? When were we together? In, in, on Saturday. Oh, that's not what I was talking about. All though. right, go on. Yeah, I had them on. again. All right. Oh, yeah. Um, no, I no, that was a different one. <laughs> okay. No, but I had um, duck pancakes with, you know, the hoisin sauce and the bits mm-hmm. and pieces and deliciousness. But um, I had it with a chili and pinot noir. Oh, really it good. Was mm-hmm. Excellent. Well, it was a 20 barrel pinot oh, noir. Oh, that's a really good one. Really, really good. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was a beautiful pairing because you had the unami flavours come out and the, whatever you call it, Anna, <laughs> tsunami, <laughs> tsunami, <laughs> tsunami of flavours. <laughs> um, but it was delicious. No, it was really, say, really nice. That's an excellent pairing. I know. Yeah, it really was really good because the plum sauce and then the, it was mm-hmm. just gorgeous. Fab. Right. right. Okay. Well, on that note, we eat it? and drink well, folks. That's it. Yeah. Cheers. Until next week. Bye. So what do you think? We do these podcasts because we want you, our listeners, to know what's going on in the world of wine and be informed when it comes to your wine buying decisions. We always love hearing from you. So let us know your thoughts on Instagram and Twitter. Sign up for our newsletter. And if you haven't subscribed to Wine, the long and the short of it yet, make sure you do that wherever you get your podcasts. Or reach out to us by email at ourwinepodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, I'm Antonia Dominguez. And I'm Linda Coogan. Cheers. Cheers. You have been listening to Wine, the long and the short of it with me, Antonia Dominguez. And me, Linda Coogan, in proud partnership with Give Wine a Future.